Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stick! Hello. 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 Hi, Lindsay. You're deep breathing today. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. How are you, Lindsay? I like how you're integrating deep breathing into your hellos now because 2021 requires it. Oh, my gosh. Hello? I went to the gym this morning for the first time in two and a half months, I think, or two months. Like to a physical gym? Yeah. You guys and your not lockdowns. Yeah, it's so quiet. It's wonderful, but like you leave your mask on the whole time. <laughs> I was like, when did they open today? Like, oh really? Oh, yeah. I had to book two days in advance. I was all over it. It was like I felt like I was, you know, in a radio contest. Back to yeah. radio. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was That's okay. What... I wasn't comfortable. I was like, why are you standing there? And why aren't you doing this? You know, it's just ugh. Yeah. It always just surprises me too when people like 20 minutes down the road are like allowed to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You say it's 30 without traffic. So don't start with the 20 minutes. Don't play Sean's game. Okay. It's really, yeah, it's hilarious because as soon as the other areas begin to open up a little bit, every headline you see is like, Toronto people stay home still. And it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Like it's just such a slap in the face. There are no boundaries. So, Apparently how are you coping? Are. How are you coping in week? <laughs> I'm great. Week 50 of COVID. I'm just throwing it out there, but it... I mean, we're so like in the groove now. We don't go in and out of opening, not opening, opening, not opening. So we're just like same, same. It's like oh, we're yeah. just there's no turmoil. Right. We booked a ski hill reservation. I was gonna say today is the day I, they're open. I know they've been open since Tuesday. They have? Yeah. yeah. So for four four days? So? This is the first weekend. Yes, we booked. So we, yeah, so anyone listening who knows that we are, we are very crazy about <laughs> um, being around other people because we're Toronto people. We get it. We're not spreading our germs. And um, Toronto people stay home. Yeah, we're staying home kind of unless we're going out skiing, which is like only your family, masks on, not allowed to go inside, no Don't have food, fun. no eating. Don't even think about having fun. You can smile, but it's got to be under your mask so no one sees the joy. No joy. (laughs) No joy. Can't wait. Right? It's going to be so good. We're just going to go there, get freaked out in the first 10 minutes, pack up our stuff and come back. It's going to be great. Here's my fear. I fear you'll you'll get a taste of it. And next thing you know, Miss... Fur onesie macage is going to pull off her clothes and run through the snow and lose her shit. Because she's just like, I'm out! Like, naked? Well, I'm assuming you wear something <laughs> under your makaj onesie, but... What? No. This isn't going in a good place. Let's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last year was my first time skiing, so maybe I just wasn't well informed about how to wear your onesie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess don't share it. <laughs> <laughs> it will never be donated. You can... I'll promise you that. 
Well, I was feeling bad. I was thinking about the podcast this morning. I'm like, oh, I feel bad because I'm enjoying my Christmas gift from you, from our special episode. I use it every day. I'm using it right now. What is it? My Two Marketeers coffee Yeti that Lindsay so generously procured for me. Um, and then I think about what I got you, uh, your little ski package, and I worry that it was something you couldn't use. I guess now you could potentially use it. Oh, you think I don't sit around in my home in a fur headband with sunglasses drinking out of a thermos wine bottle? I do. Well, that is how I picture you. <laughs> I just don't, I question whether you do it. <laughs> don't. Do not question it. Okay. It's been Good. used almost daily since Christmas. Enjoy. Thank you so much. So what are we talking about today, Sean? What's, what's, uh, what's our topic? Uh... Our topic today, I believe, is um, it's called pole dancing. I think it's when I think I think it's when brands pole dance. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Oops. How about we start with what where this topic came from? Why don't you give us a little background about how we got to where we're at today? I was uh, pressuring myself to do my monthly blog, and I was really starting to receive. Um, a lot of messaging, a lot of, I'll say emails is usually how I get them, promotions or communications or content that was around Black Lives Matter. Um, it's, we're nearing, well, we're halfway through February, uh, a rough month for anyone, I would say. Um, and But it is also Black History Month. And with that, I, I don't know, I, I think I was really, I decided I, I wanted to be really in tune with you know, what I was seeing, because for me, it's definitely um, something that brands need to not ignore anymore. And when you and I talk about listening to what customers expect or consumers expect and want, um, I was really curious to see if there were going to be any really sort of of note kind of things happening. And we've talked about story Mm -hmm. doing. And uh, I like to think I'm an optimist, but... um, I definitely took a, a bit of a negative turn. You know, when I sat down to do the blog entry, I, was, I decided to do some research. And what I was seeing and what was really coming up is the most newsworthy of uh, Black Lives Matter news with marketing and brands. Mm-hmm. I was definitely underwhelmed because it was taken over by a lot of big brands that were doing Uh, that were pivoting, I don't even want to say it that, because pivoting, I find, suggests strategy, um, that were changing their brands that were closely or had racist cues within them. So uh, things like Uncle Ben's Converted Rice, Aunt Jemima, and all that stuff. And I just couldn't believe, I couldn't get away from it. So I was hoping to dig into not just timely stuff, but really start to dig in about like, you know, what's great progress, what, you know, what's out there. Uh, If you search things like racism and brands, you don't get past the last couple of weeks, like without a major dig. And because right. all the news is ar- around these brands that have announced that they will be changing their brands. And that's the story. Because they're forced to, basically, yeah. at this point. Because their their brand is so closely associated with racism. Right. Basically, their statement from a corporate PR standpoint is, uh, yes, you know, understand it's it's a big task but in changing their name there's no news there in my opinion right and it actually Aunt Jemima for instance yes it just I don't know 
Uh, and I do I think they even did a good job of the rebranding? They didn't. They fixed, they band-aided something. Like, yeah. That I feel will only continue the narrative around why brands can't change. You know, like it'll it'll create that other what I'll call a lazy argument around. Well, this is why because if you change, it's like it, it's so reactive, and it just it there was no good news. <laughs> like that's I'll say was my there was no good news, and at the end of it, I kind of said, okay, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great stuff happening, but at a time that I would think it would be so opportune to show right the whole idea of story doing, I challenge whether changing your brand far too late and like how you know sports teams are doing it and all that stuff and how they're going to do it after this season is that story doing is that right. you know right or is it a superficial reaction is it just keeping staving off you know the masses because that's what it is now a little bit of a soapbox. Yeah, I think it's really interesting with the Aunt Jemima example. And when you say like, this is something that's so ingrained in their brand history, they say that they're finally retiring the racist stereotype that has adorned its pancake mixes and syrups for decades. So like, I think there's there's been a recognition of this problem with this brand specifically for a very long time. Yeah, And they're saying they're long criticized as the racist caricature of a black woman stemming from slavery will be replaced with the Pearl Milling Company name. And when I, when I was looking around at, at that example specifically, I don't see many other initiatives other than changing the name. Like, did you come across anything in, in what they're doing to There's support? A, yeah, I saw a donation, okay. uh, a donation of a million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, and you a know what? Dollars. And you said it when we were talking about it. It's you know, I, I don't want to come off as judgmental. Who am I? Some privileged, you know, suburban white father. Um, I do think as a as an expert in branding and marketing, and I thought about this, and I do feel I have something to call out here. Is it's it's less about what they're doing; it's about that's the news. Right. Because it's not like the news is, is persecuting them either. Do you know what I mean? If something's not being said. Nothing newsy is being said. Right. The news is that they're changing and it's such a non-story. And a lot of them are non-stories. Uncle Ben. So now they're Ben's. I can't remember what it's, what it's called, but there's so much news around it during Black History Month. Yeah, so does it feel like a moment in time when they're trying to capitalize on this initiative of merely kind of a, a name change and a small donation to say, like, we're we're trying to get in on this conversation at a time that's very um, convenient for them? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think they are capitalizing on it. Or is it is it news because... So many brands aren't capitalizing on it. Mm-hmm. Why is this the most important news right now? And I could very easily blame them, but it's like, is it because there's no other news? There's, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that news happened a year ago. There have been some amazing stuff. And early on with Black Lives Matter, some really big pivots were made by brands like Nike and the NFL and Budweiser. Right. And, and at that time, what they were or the ones that stick with me are the ones that were like, we're changing. Like we're changing going forward how we do this. And this mm-hmm. is this is the time. Fast forward to about, what, 10, 11 months later, 
And the news is around those who are changing because they have to. And please keep me objective here. The story that I'm seeing most prevalent is the story about why they didn't change sooner. There's a lot of justification. They talk about the CEO and this company owns this company and da, 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 da. Right. The, the big news stories, the ones that are really interesting, are those who corrected a misstep. So things like L'Oreal did something really interesting. Red Bull has yeah. done, you know, like they, and I, I won't go into that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like they, they accepted that they made mistakes and definitely publicized that they did. And, you know, how they're not trying to defend the mistake they made. Right. And a lot of that change happened and is well into into play. You know, the way I, I, I basically, the blog I wrote was called The Color of Brands in 2021. And the, the subhead is, is racism really a thing of the past in today's marketing landscape? And it's like, obviously it's not. Of course, it's, you know, there's this seismic shift that has happened. Is the, sh- you know, and that's what happens with anything, right? Two step forwards, one step back. And I just, I'm feeling the one step back. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah, because I think like you want to hear more about what companies are actually doing. So when I'm just like looking up this example right now still of um, Aunt Jemima, so they're owned by PepsiCo. um, And they say PepsiCo said Pearl Milling Company will announce an annual annual $1 million commitment to empower and uplift black girls and women in the coming weeks. This investment is in addition to PepsiCo's $400 million five-year commitment to advance and uplift the black community. Pearl Milling is inviting the public to visit its website and nominate nonprofit organizations for an opportunity to receive grants to further that mission. They say the commitment we're making is a reflection of our broader PepsiCo values in, of diversity and inclusion and support of the black community. So it'd be inter- like it's interesting blah, to kind of blah, blah, watch and blah, see, blah. yeah, what other kind of real, like what I want to know what they're doing to uplift black girls and women in the coming weeks, like all of those things that say, yeah, the news story might be the name, but where's the proof in the pudding that PepsiCo is um, committing to this? So they say that they are, and I'm interested to follow along. Yeah, and I, I just, to that statement, I say insert brand name here. That's the mistake. That's where I would call out the brand, right? From a strategic, where are you in society? What are you trying to do? Um, they're They're talking about how they're helping the problem, but they're not acknowledging how core they were to a problem. Would you agree? Uh, in the example of Aunt Jemima, yes. When they say that there, there's been decades, like this has been an, you know, they've probably talked about this issue or people have been talking about this issue for decades. And this is just something that they happen to be doing now, which just poses the question, could you not have made change earlier? <laughs> when yeah. it's, you know. Or at least, exactly. Could you not have thought about change? Could you not have made efforts and change because if you had clearly the news about you would not be about your changing your your brand name like it should just be a sort of you know like when you and I are challenged with coming up with communication plans and and content plans and strategies um launching the brand would be held off until there's so much that has happened right we have spent the last we have not stopped and I just don't feel that it's like yeah we'll let you know it's changing and then quick we got to get something out there Mm-hmm. And they literally slapped a new logo. Uh, like it just, from a from my design yeah. standpoint, it's like, don't you think you need to reinvent your brand, not slap another name? Yeah, it's interesting because there's this quote here that says, 
Howard University Afro-American Studies professor Greg Carr says it appears PepsiCo is trying to strike a balance between continuing to market a popular product, which is your statement right there, while scrubbing every vestige of racism from the product's new branding. So, And I don't think they did. Yeah. That's, well, that's what he's saying, that this is, it looks like they're trying to strike this balance and they're on this journey oh. to try and change, so. Interesting. Anyway, yeah. There's just a lot not being said. Yeah. And it says the market will ultimately determine whether yes. this will be a win for PepsiCo. That's kind of it, right? It's like consumers are more woke than they've ever been and they will no longer stand by and support brands that they don't feel are making an authentic move towards change. And this is where they say the market's going to determine exactly. People will determine whether they embrace the initiatives made by these companies or whether it's being received as inauthentic. Exactly. And I think what it did for me, and I say this very humbly, was it made me realize how I contribute to that same problem I'm calling out. So, you know, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's, both products in my pantry. And I made a commitment to myself. I'm not saying, ooh, but it's to be like, yeah, I'm not buying those products anymore. So talk about a right. backfire. You know, I was frustrated. There was a tension it created that I didn't like. I'm like, what's behind it? And I realized where the tension was coming from was that I guess somehow subconsciously I knew that I was contributing to it. And I was totally doing that whole tolerance play. You know what I mean? So it was like, I kind of got the bottom of that and to say, well, is it right for me to, as you know, I struggled with it. And it's like, well, yeah, because the biggest thing I'm sharing is that I learned that I contribute to it. So no longer do I stand on the other end of the spectrum and fault those who do it is I stop and I look and say, okay, well, as a consumer, I've turned a blind eye. You know, like you said, I'm more woke than ever. I love that word, by the way. (laughs) I think that's the thing too. Like, I think it was in 2017 or 2018 where Marks and Spencer in the UK was roasted. Do you remember this? For launching a BLT sandwich that was LGBT. So they put guacamole on a BLT and then painted the packaging rainbow. And basically the (laughs) article I was reading said they added gay guacamole to a BLT. (laughs) And, And the thing, like they were... Obviously, they were roasted for that. But when people see things like that in a Marks and Spencer store and they're like, oh, I'm going to purchase that because now I've done something good and I feel like now yeah. there's my contribution. It's exactly. it's difficult too when we say like, I had the products, I'm going to throw them out. I'm, I'm not going to buy them because I do not believe in that. And it's like, how do we, how do brands and then as well, how do consumers like take it a step further to say it's not even just about voting with your wallet anymore. It's about... Um, such so much deeper support than that. Yeah. But what what does that look like? Yeah. And I did you what what what's the pole dancing? Did you want to talk about the brand's pole dancing? Oh, it was really so when we were talking about this. So so Sean brought up um, you know noticing these examples and being underwhelmed around Black Lives Matter, Black History Month initiatives, and just saying that there's such a bigger opportunity for um, brands and people to be making bigger statements. And we wanted to use the podcast as a platform to help, you know, as we said, who are we to, to talk about these issues, but we wanted to use our platform in any way possible for us to um, bring some of these, yeah, bring some of these things to light and, and, and anyways, it was around 
I was basically saying, you know, for me, it's not just about Black History Month. Like Black History Month is one thing where um, a lot of brands are going to jump in on that. And really it's, is your place, to, is it your place to do that? Do you have a voice within that? What, do you have anything authentic to actually share? Are you making real change? And it's not necessarily about Black History Month. It's about continuing for the rest of the year. And what are you doing kind of long-term that is actually making an impact on, on situations like this? And what I said was, is that they're just latching on to tent pole moments. So it's these tent pole, not um, not your stripper pole. Is that what you called it? Stripper yeah, pole moments? No, just pole dancing. <laughs> pole tent dancing. Tent pole dancing. That's tent, tent pole, pole dancing. dancing. Totally it's, yeah, we call it these um, tent pole moments where... Um, they're big moments you, where you have an opportunity to do something kind of bigger and interesting throughout the year. Um, and bl- uh, Black History Month could be considered potentially, you know, a tentpole moment for some brands that are, you know, potentially inauthentically choosing to engage during that time. But for me, it's like Black History Month is a very important initiative to bring history to people who may be underinformed or uninformed about what's taken place in the past. But it's really about what are you doing outside of Black History Month to further the movement and the initiative. And that's more what I care about. Yeah. And I guess that's where we saw good things early on because it wasn't because of Black History Month. I mean, ironically, it happened, you know, it was clearly a, uh, it happened during it. Um, so it was interesting to be a year later is to say, okay, on the heels of probably the most significant time in black history, uh, at least in my lifetime, um, you know, what's going to happen during a month that is a tentpole moment for brands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was fascinating to me. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's that whole idea of jumping on the bandwagon and, how you say this so often, Lindsay, is how does whatever you're going to do align with your brand, with the values of your brand? Yeah. And that's the thing is insert brand here. Like some brands got caught, they have some history, is to say instead of not acknowledging the history and brushing over it, take some time. You've had 12 months to really think about this, right? So right. when the entire world has paused, um, and, and where I kind of feel a little bit vindicated is even in my own actions. Listen, I'm not looking to be a hero because I, I, I finally realized that I was contributing to a bigger problem. But thank you, Brand, for screwing up and making that apparent to me. So it's that you said it's all going to work out. I think you were quoting him. You know, the market will tell. So it'll be really interesting because yeah. anyone who becomes aware of that, how could they c- continue to support that? without feeling some kind of, unless, you know, they're exactly that person that they don't want to be. So, right. yeah. And I, 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 oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know you kind of liked the word or saying woke, that people are more woke than ever. Woke washing is actually like a huge issue now. And that's kind of what they're talking about of people jumping on the bandwagon or, um, you know, just latching on to these tentpole moments and putting out a message without having the real kind of proof in the pudding it's it's called woke washing where brands are just kind of hopping on all of these different things and consumers don't actually know what to believe they don't believe in anything trust is kind of at an all-time low because people are seeing brands inauthentically jump on to these types of topics without having any more um, initiative behind what what they're actually trying to do to further the movement right yeah woke washing Lindsay when are you going to publish your uh 
dictionary. Yeah, this is I. I just latch go. onto other people's terms. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what a dictionary yeah. does. It's fine. They're not your words. Yeah. I mean, I was. I think you shared with me this really interesting article from Work. Did you want to talk about anything? From yeah. Because there's a couple of really amazing takeaways in here as to how you can, from a brand perspective, make sure that you're communicating responsibly about issues that you're actually impacting. I shared this with you after I'd pretty much gone through the experience of writing my post, and this made everything okay. For me, um, Work did a study. I think it's amazing how they've done it. So they're showing how they did it. They talk about all the different inputs, all the experts that contributed. And it was it was just mind-blowing to me. And they've put together this guide. Um, and all I did was read the article about and shared with you the, the, the article about what the guide has in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this guide that they've created, do we have the name? Well, yeah, Works Guide to Brand Activism in the Black Lives Matter era. And it is comprehensive and it is incredible. Yeah, it's written by... Uh, Kai D. Wright. Uh, at o- He's a global Ogilvy consultant. Right. Um, th- you know, I'm just going to call out a couple of very clear points because, you know, th- they summarize and, you know, the very last key takeaway they say is, you know, they urge brands, agencies, and media to recognize... And the very last point is consumers prefer concrete action over donations. Right. When you say 40 million, when you say 400 million, when you say it, it's forgettable. Well, there's actually research out there that says no matter what number you say, people will never think that it's enough. See? So consumers prefer concrete action, which only reinforces what we've been talking about. The one part that really resonated with me is that there's a lot of fear around communicating about topics like this because you don't want to make a misstep. You don't want to, you know, offend anyone. You want to support in the right way. And people just aren't always necessarily sure what that is. And so Kai, as he's writing in this article, he says, I know some leaders fear a misstep. Mm -hmm. So here's my advice. When solving issues for communities, there is a burden of being culturally ethical. If the dismount between strategy and well-intentioned actions isn't precise, unintended consequences occur. Mm. To help mitigate negative consequences, there's a three-part culture ethics test you can deploy to uncover a brand's responsibility in marketing responsibly to communities about issues that impact them. So there's three takeaways, which you'll love. It's nice, tidy three. Uh, The first is empowerment. (laughs) So ask yourself the question, does this make the community better off? Like it's really saying, it's not about, does this make our brand better off? Does it make us more money? Or are we going to get in front of people with a better message? It's, does it actually make the community better off? The second is earnestness. So are we solving the issue they care about the most with sufficient resources for impact? So are the things that you're doing using the right resources to actually make an impact. And is that a on the things that matter million most dollar? Them. Yeah. Is that a million dollar ad in the Super Bowl? Or can that money be somewhere else where the resources are more likely to impact real change? Yeah. And the third, which we love and talk about all the time, is empathy. So are we allowing their voices to steer decisions and outcomes? So again, I think a lot of, I was reading something this morning that was basically saying five out of the top 500 companies in the U.S. have black 
CEOs, so black leadership at the very top. And so are you actually driving organizational change to have enough voices contributing for you to be able to steer your outcomes in the way that's actually going to benefit those people? So actually listening and actually hearing their voices and employing things that are going to make a difference for them. Yeah. And he just summarizes with, people are not naive. A company which tries to earn their trust without the intent will be found out by companies and even investors. Yeah, so investors. I think that's I think that's the woke, right? Like people are not naive. They're not closing their eyes. If anything, they're digging even further and making that a personal initiative of theirs to uncover the brands and companies that they support and the real things that they're doing. And they're not going to stop. Yeah. And it's that idea of triple bottom line is now the thing. We talked about it in our episode where we talked about um, story doing. Triple bottom line um, which is really, you know, your success is measured on social impact, it's measured on environment, and it's measured on one other thing, and I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> financial health, I'm sure. But it's the idea of it, it, is a, it is a model, and companies have to see this holistically. It's just, just, it's just so foundational that it's like right now we're seeing a lot of symptoms. They're 20 years in the making. Like we're, yeah. change is going to happen over the next 20 years to even make a dent into that symptom you spoke of, like would you five out of 500? Yeah. And usually we talk about like marketing and advertising strategy in this podcast, but this is actually an organizational issue. This is, like you said, this is a deeper issue than just hiring. It's a deeper issue than advertising. It's a deeper issue that is requires actual organizational change. Yeah, and I think for, for us, where it impacts us is because marketing and branding are really only there to help companies reach their goals. Right. And you do it to different degrees. But, you know, we, we work on frustrating jobs sometimes because as much as they want to make big changes in branding or marketing, you can't do that and succeed if you're not shifting your company to truly own up to that, to, you know, right. what you're communicating or what your brand is and how you're connecting with people on an emotional level. So yeah, it is much bigger. And I don't want this to come across at all as though we're trying to jump on this bandwagon. I think Sean and like, I won't speak for you, but I feel as though we share the same sentiment that mm -hmm. we want to be able to um, support and we are listening and we are reading and we want to bring to light issues and share examples of brands that are doing a really good job and help our clients make um, progress as much as we can so that we can be an ally in the movement and just continue to to listen and share and and hope to bring in more opinions and things so that we can highlight and give um, give people a platform and a voice within this. Yeah, yeah. And it does end on a great note from um, the amazing Kai D. Wright from Ogilvy. Uh, he talks about, it is time for brands, agencies, and media companies to reflect the reality that the world has changed. It is diverse and moves faster. And people expect brands to not remain silent in a hypermedia saturated reality. And I it's that. Silence is not an option. And I, I you know, I'm a little surprised by the silence, but I do also acknowledge, like you said, Lindsay, the fear. It's not fair for me to say they're doing wrong. I guess it's about saying, hey, we understand, but you're not doing yourself any favors by delaying the inevitable. Um, and then I like the way he closes off. He says, I invite you to action and I invite you to approach supporting Black Lives Matter as a business growth imperative that will define your company's legacy. It's a big statement, 
but it's an invitation. No one is stopping anyone from doing it. Is right. that that's what I like about it. And I, I do the same thing. It I invite myself and I invite my peers to really just take this time to reflect on are you happy with what you're seeing happen? And if not, what good are you going to do? I think what's going to happen for me is in changing the way I'm looking at it. And uh, I can't fear it anymore. How will that un unfold in the way I do things as a professional? I hope that doesn't sound preachy. Um, I'm saying the experience that I've had, I'm sharing experience that I probably wouldn't have shared in the past. So I'm feeling a little bit, I'm feeling that fear. Um, but no more can I let that fear stop me from trying to make what I do better. Right. No, I think that's great. I think it's when they say staying silent isn't an option. I would also add that jumping on a bandwagon isn't an option. <laughs> so right. no, great we advice. need to, yeah, we need to evaluate authentically the role and take to heart and at the heart of the like organizational change, figure out the best way to support and be an ally and make an impact and, and give people a voice that they've never had. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't have to happen in February. It starts and then it doesn't stop. It's a, it's a behavioral change for brands, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> I totally agree. Okay. Well, I think you have tent pole class. So, um, Oh yes, it's new. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, actually for if I ever get to put up a tent because um, as a Toronto person, I clearly won't be allowed to see anyone this summer. So we will uh, go camping alone. Yeah, in your in your living room because we won't let you camp outside. Yes, stay home. Accurate. I will be home. If anyone needs me, you know where to find me. Awesome. Well, everyone, have a great Thanks, week. Sean. Hang in there, Lindsay. Stay home, or I'm calling the cops. <laughs> you know I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Right. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the Two Marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.